hear my tale of woe Got some good advice to give you Lots of things you ought to know Take a tip from one who's traveled And never stopped a rambling round Cause once you get the Roman fever You never want to settle down Boy, never want to settle down Settle down for life well, Then I heard the whistle blowing And I knew it was a red ball train And I left that gal beside the main road And never saw the gal again Boy, I never saw the gal again And tell me what's happening. This is the Pyrolite Fantasy Football Podcast, episode 59. We are in week 17, baby. I am your humble host, Pyromaniac Mo. You can give me a follow on Twitter at Pyromaniac Mo. It is all letters P Y R O M A N I A C M O. As you know, the wealth of the Pyromaniac podcasts can be found on iTunes. We're on Spreaker, Google Play, Stitcher, Podcast Addict, and of course, Blog Talk Radio. If you enjoy the goo that we are slinging to you, uh, you can check out Pyromaniac for all kinds of other good stuff. We got the podcasts, we got, of course, the Pyro Pro subscription membership. We're, heck, gonna be starting to talk about the draft kit anytime soon. My goodness, we're not even done with this season. So uh, check it out, pyromaniac.com. And if you enjoy the podcasts, leave us a review. Uh, let us know what you think. That helps us reach other listeners. Okay, guys. As usual, we started off tonight with a little tune. This was Rye Cooter, the song Boomer's Story from the same album. As usual, stay tuned at the end tonight, and you can hear that song in its entirety. All right, guys, without further ado, let me introduce the guest for tonight. I am lucky enough to be chatting with Joe from the 4th and Long FF Podcast. Joe, how are you, sir? Good. How are you doing tonight, Mo? I'm doing great. I'm doing great. Uh, Tell the folks, the pyromaniacs out there, uh, a little bit about what you guys do over at uh, the 4th and Long FF Podcast. Uh, Well, we're pretty new, relatively pretty new. Uh, Started over the summer. It's a couple college dudes from Indiana University. Um, We all uh, lived together last year. We all love football. We all love gambling, fantasy football. Um, Two guys I have with me, they're both gambling nuts. Um, So it seemed pretty fitting that we would start start something. Um, so we started the website back in August, um, started the Twitter account. Uh, then we decided to start podcasting back in September and, uh, it's been going pretty well so far. We just wrapped up our, with our first season. So, I mean, we're still rookies compared to the rest of you guys out there, but you know, we're learning, we're having a lot of fun doing it as well. Cool. And, uh, you guys are a part of the FF podcast network. Uh, many of my co-hosts this season on the pyro light have been 
are and are in the FF Podcast Network, so it's a great way to grow. We help one another out, just fellow uh, football nuts podcasting together in this crazy world of ours. And of course, your Twitter handle is four th underscore long. So pyromaniacs, do yourself a favor, check out Joe and the crew over at the Fourth and Long FF Podcast. Give them a follow as well. All right, Joe, we got week seventeen, man, which is always really hard to decipher. Sometimes you got guys, the incentive is is just always an issue. You got guys that are maybe checking out early. Then of course you got guys who are maybe playing for bonuses. You've got certainly guys who are playing for statistics. You got guys who are trying to get into the playoffs. And then you got guys that are, you know, eyeballing Cancun and just can't wait to get out of there. So that's why playoffs are normally or championships for fantasy football are decided week 16 because i hate the headache trying to decipher week 17 but let's jump on in and let's talk some vegas games here that we're eyeballing i'm essentially going to highlight a couple here all of the games i'm looking at are teams that have some skin in the game teams that are going to benefit from a win so the first one I'm looking at, New England at Miami. That's a six-point favorite for my uh, New England. They're on the road. 48.5 over under the Patriots. Man, if you can get some Patriots DFS plays, I would advise it. 27.25 implied team total. And the Patriots are trying to clinch home field throughout. So they are certainly motivated. You know, we did a piece... Uh, a, a weekly write-up. So I was looking at the matchups, and in the write-up, I actually said Miami's not really playing for anything. Since then, I, I've learned that if they do win, they can move from, I think, sixth seed to fifth seed. Not that that matters a whole lot. They're still going to be on the road the whole time, but they're playing, I guess, for a little something. But honestly, you'd think they would be more apt to rest a guy like Ajahi. Uh, they're in no matter what, and he needs some rest. So New England, and they could be resting some defensive players as well. So I like New England. I like that implied team total. Carolina at Tampa, you've got an over-under 47.5. Tampa, uh, they're the home teams. They're favored. They need a lot of outside help, but they are playing to get in. They have uh, 25.5 implied total, and like I said, they've got vested interest. So there's two games that I'm kind of eyeballing, and certainly guys on Tampa and guys on New England. Joe, give me a game that you're looking at that Vegas uh, might tell us a little bit of something for fantasy this week. Uh, yeah, I'm looking at the Falcons-Saints game. Um, we obviously know when these two teams get together, we always see offensive fireworks. Um, they got the largest over-under of, out of any games this weekend at 56, I believe. Um, the implied total is uh, 24 for uh, uh, New Orleans and 31 for Atlanta. Um, both offenses are averaging over 400 yards per game. Both defenses are giving up over 350 per game. Uh, Mark Ingram on the New Orleans side, I mean, he's been fed the ball the last couple weeks with over 15 carries, and he's coming off a two TD performance as well last week. Um, he rushed for 5.1 yards per carry the last time against the Falcons, who themselves give up around 4.4 yards per carry on average for the season. So um, nice matchup there. And then on the Falcons side of the ball, Kyle Shanahan silenced the critics this week um, and assured us that Julio is always the main target on offense. Obviously, that's a given, but I think throughout the season, there's been some whispers, um, obviously from us fantasy nuts complaining about Julio not necessarily always getting the ball. Um, Breeze and Ryan obviously had outstanding seasons. Um, Each have had 30-plus touchdowns on the season. And um, obviously, Taylor Gabriel is always 
in play for a big play, as we've seen since week eight. He's only really had two bad weeks. Um, so every time he's touching the ball, there's a chance for a big play there. Um, like him over Sanu. Uh, Sanu's just really struggled to find a, find a role this entire season. As we, as I said before, this, this matchup is, always has offensive fireworks. So the more investments you have in it, the better. Yeah, I'm with you, and I'm all over the Atlanta players. You know, I I chart this all year, and I can only remember maybe this is the third time I'm going to go out on a limb and say that a team has had an implied team total above 30, you know, three, maybe four at most, and I'd be willing to put some money at that. So you don't normally see an implied team total of over 30, and rarely do you see an implied team total of over, I'm sorry, an over-under. That's 56. So this is insane. This could be a shootout, right? I mean, it has to be. I mean, the la- every time they meet, it seems to be. And the Falcons fighting for a two seed, so their offense is going to be in full gear um, on- come Sunday. Yeah, so not only uh, do they have that incentive, and I don't know what's more incentive for NFL guys, certainly making it to the playoffs, but we're talking about, you know, an added week off. So that bye is going to be huge, that, that rest this time of year is going to be huge. Guys are really broken down. Interesting thing, I heard Chris Raybon Talking about fast guys, so like a Taylor Gabriel going up against guys that are on the other side, uh, the Saints that aren't going anywhere, they're a bit more beat up. So you might see uh, some good DFS plays with a really quick guy like Gabriel on a team that has vested interest playing against the Saints who are probably a little bit beat up. So that's one I am all over as well. Giants at Redskins. Redskins are the team here to look for. They've got a really nice situation. They're home. Redskins. Favored to win by seven points. Over-under is 44. Now, the Giants are in no matter what. So, to me, if I'm the coaching staff, I might look for an opportunity to get some guys some rest. Maybe some key defensive players. That is going to be great for Kirk Cousins. Redskins implied team total just over 25 points. So, I like the Redskins players in this one, certainly. And you just got the fireworks there with uh, uh, OBJ. And Norman, never know what's going to happen there. So it'll be one to watch, but I really like Redskins players for DFS, Kirk Cousins as well. You got Seattle at San Francisco. Of course, we know how bad San Fran is. Seattle's road favorites, nine-point favorites. Now, this opened with the second-highest spread of the week in favor of Seattle. Seattle can clinch a first-round bye. They're expected to score over 26 points. So I'm looking for those guys in DFS as well. Uh, maybe two more real quick, and then I'll, I'll let you kick it off with the last one. Uh, Oakland, Denver. I like the Oakland players here. They got a lot to play for. Home field advantage and possibly first round by if they win, and depending on how some other things uh, fall out, I suppose. There, there's quite a few situations that Oakland is uh, looking at. They're in no matter what, but they could severely uh, get some rest that they need with that uh, first round bye. We know they're banged up, so they're without car. So whereas the Raiders, you know, they might be, or I'm sorry, the Denver might be looking to rest some guys as well. I think Latavius Murray or even some of the other backs there could be an interesting play. Last one I'm going to talk about, Kansas City at San Diego. You got San Diego narrative street trying to get that record for Mr. Antonio Gates. And then you got Kansas City. They can clinch a first-round buy. They've got an implied team total near 25 points. So uh, there's some teams that I'm looking at. Seattle, Oakland, KC, all teams that I like because they have that skin in the game. Give me one more uh, Vegas game that you're looking at, Joe. 
Oh uh, yeah, I'm looking at Green Bay, Detroit. I mean, yeah, baby. This has got to be. This is the probably going to be one of the best games on Sunday, without a doubt. Um, these Lions Packers games, they always seem to be high scoring as well. The last two matchups, there's been 50 plus points put up, and with the division on the line, you got to expect Stafford and Rodgers are going to light it up. Um, remember, Rodgers put up four touchdowns back in September, and Stafford then put the team on his back and brought the Lions all the way back with three TDs of his own and over 300 yards. Of course, I mean, this is essentially a playoff game, so sometimes stats can go out the window in these games and teams get tight, which leads to a low-scoring struggle. But I don't see that happening in this game just because these offenses are so potent and the defenses, especially on the Green Bay side, aren't the best. Um, however, And it's also inside, so I mean, there's no weather factor here. And Rodgers, just, he just seems to live for these games with the a- NFC North on the line. Um, I think it's safe to invest in the Packers passing game, especially with Jordy Nelson. Um, you got to think the vets in this game are going to be the ones to step up. So that means Jordy Nelson and then Golden Tate and Anquan Bolden on the other side. Because, I mean, they're both tested veterans. They've been in these big games. And Stafford's going to want to lean on these security blankets in the game. And Bolden's had an impressive seven touchdowns this season. And then Golden Tate on the other side has had um, 1,000 yards on the season. So you got to love Golden Tate. Um, his yards after the catch are always impressive to watch. And then Bolden, I mean, it's kind of a risk. You're kind of, you're just, you're kind of banking on him getting a touchdown. But I mean, at home, uh, the division on the line, I think, I, I mean, it's not a, it's not the worst bet to take. Um, with the implied tolls, uh, 26 for Green Bay, 23 uh, for Detroit. So plenty of touchdowns in this game as well. Um, the only running back in this game that I really might consider is just Ty Montgomery. Only in PPR yeah. though, just because. Rodgers does like to check it down to him at times, but um, last week we saw uh, Christine Michael butted in a little bit, took some of his carries, and on the other side of the ball, the Detroit running situation has just been a dumpster fire all season long. Yeah, for sure. Uh, You know, both teams kind of used the short passing game almost as their run when Riddick alive and kicking. They were just giving quick passes to him and letting him take it. And uh, same thing with Montgomery. I'm really interested in this one being, you know, a Motown fan, a Lions guy. So this is going to be great. I am prepared for the inevitable, eventual letdown that the Lions <laughs> always seem to deliver. But as far as DFS, both sides, they're, they've got vested interest. They're really playing for something. And there's cracks in both defenses that you can certainly take advantage of. Oh, right. Pyromaniacs, that was a look at Vegas, and the games we're paying attention to primarily because, one, Vegas likes them, there's going to be some scoring to be done, and two, it's week 17, and you want guys that have a vested interest. You want, I want guys that are playing and not eyeballing their vacation slot in Cancun. So, those are the teams we're looking at for DFS. Now, before we actually start talking our DFS picks, we're going to pause to pay the bills, and... I've got a trivia question for you, Joe, and you listeners at home. Now, looking at Pro Football Focus's aimed throws, so we're talking throws that are intended. So you throw out spikes and you throw out throwaways when they just get rid of the ball. So throws where they are targeting a receiver. Which quarterback has the highest completion percentage of aimed throws in the 2016 season? In other words, which quarterback is most accurate when it counts. Think about that as you listen to this, and we'll be right back with the Pyro Light Fantasy Football Podcast, episode 59. All right, folks, thanks for hanging with us. I want to remind you to 
Stop by Pyromaniac.com. We're ramping up the content, even though the championships for your playoffs have occurred for fantasy football. We don't stop rocking. We've got daily do's and don'ts, because Lord knows you can play daily fantasy well into the playoffs. Plus, we are writing pieces. We're always looking at the matchups. We're always publishing different charts and things. We are fantasy football all year round at Pyromaniac. So stop on by pyromaniac.com. All right, Joe, what do you think, man? Uh, Which quarterback, according to Pro Football Focus's aim throws, is the most accurate this season? Hmm. Well, I'm going to go with Drew Brees on that one. I was doing some research earlier. I saw he had a pretty high completion percentage, so I'm just going to take a wild guess and say Drew Brees. Indeed he does. You are 0.4 percentage points away. Hmm. Sam Bradford. Oh, I should have known that. They throw the ball under five yards every time. 76.8%. Drew Brees, 76.4%. Then you got Matt Ryan just below 74%. Cody Kessler is right there with uh, 73.6%. Tom Brady, 73.5%. But, yeah, Sammy Bradford. Uh, I saw he's about to get the, if he indeed gets a quarterback rating above 100, would be his career best, his ninth this season. And it would be the franchise's second best string of 100 QB rating or better. So he's doing very well. But like you say, the ADOT, average depth of target, not too deep with Bradford. All right, guys, we're talking DFS. And before we do, as you guys know, the show is a little different today. right? We're not talking streaming. We're not talking waiver wire picks. And I've been charting this all year long. That means I have kept track of how I've done. So, how have I done? Quarterbacks. Well, if you would listen to me, and again, in the streaming and waiver wire, I was going with guys that were 50% available in NFL fantasies, and I always looked after the waivers had cleared. So, if you listen to me and went with my streaming quarterback picks, throughout the season, you would have the seventh best quarterback, right in between Dak and Tyrod Taylor. If you were streaming my tight ends, you would have ended up with the ninth best overall, right in between Jordan Reed and Jason Witten. Defensively, I ended up as the 10th best streaming defense in between Tampa and Miami. And again, I'm using PFF as my site. Pyro PPR was my settings, my format. For the running back spot, I did very well with running backs. Uh, After week 16, there were 47 running backs that were 50% owned, so I had to toss those guys out. Even though I'm tossing out the large portion of backs, I ended up with the 8th best running back. In between Melvin Gordon and LeGarrette Blunt. wide receivers, I ended up with the 12th best. So I was top 12 across the board. I think that's pretty good for streaming, considering you got to throw a lot of those guys out, because they were owned in most leagues. All right, so now we're going to talk DFS. And before I ask you, Joe, who who your DFS picks are, we're starting at the quarterback spot. I just want to say, one, I hate playing Week 17. I hate it. This is precisely why championships are decided Week 16. You already have reports about uh, your Mark Sanchez and your McFadden, expected to get more playing time than Dak and uh, Ezekiel Elliott. You have other teams. The Dolphins, you know, uh, they've already clinched a spot, so why not rest guys like Ajahi, who have the banged-up shoulder? 
uh, why not give him some extra rest for when it counts the playoffs? You've got teams like Buffalo wanting to see what they've got in their backup, EJ Manuel. What about Jacksonville? Uh, they might want to use Week 17 to assess Chad Henney a little bit. Who knows? Now, when I do my bankroll assessment, my bankroll management, at the beginning of the year, I factor in 16 weeks because those are the weeks that I have the most control of, and week 17 is just up for grabs. You you don't have as much insight. Now, all the Vegas games we talked about were games that have guys with vested interests. So I think you can get ahead of the competition by targeting just those games, especially in cash. Cash games, I'm going to be playing all of those guys, the teams that we talked about. I'm going to remind you of those teams at the end. But week 17 is a bit hairy, and again, yeah, I use my 80-20-10 management rule. That means every week, weeks 1 through 16, I'm using about 10% of my total bankroll. And on a given week, 10% of my total bankroll, weeks 1 through 16, I'm going to spend about 80% of that weekly allotment in cash, 20% in GPP. Done really well this year. Just saying week 17, I'm playing for fun, but I'm not going to play nearly as much as I usually do, nor am I putting down as much as I usually do. All right, that said, I got my disclaimer out there. Joe, DFS, which quarterback or quarterbacks are you liking this week, sir? Uh, the quarterback that I am liking this week, and he's been a guy that fourth and long in general has just kind of had a love-hate relationship the whole season. Uh, I'm rolling with Jameis Winston. Um, I'll start with his one downside, and that's the turnovers. It's just they're obvious. Um, he struggled with them all season, had a fumble, and I think two interceptions last week against uh, New Orleans. Um but the Carolina defense, they've been pretty soft uh, very recently uh, when defending the pass. Um, they're coming off a battering performance. They, they just got battered by the Atlanta offense. Um, I don't know. I could see Winston lighting it up. It's a must-win game at home. Uh, there's questions in the backfield in Tampa, um, so they might have to lean heavy on Winston and their stud wide receiver, Mike Evans. I mean, I think you can kind of safely bet Winston gets two TDs here. Um He's going for $7,800 in FanDuel, $6,100 DraftKings. Uh, so right in the middle of the road. I mean, I, I think I like Jameis Winston. I've liked him all season. Uh, we made our bold prediction that be at, in the preseason, Jameis Winston would be a, a top 10 scoring QB. He's hovered around there pretty much the whole season. Um, had some ups. I think we're going to see one last up in the regular season in Week 17 with Jameis Winston. Well, I like it, and uh, a couple things. He's he's playing in the early slate, so as I said earlier, they're one of the teams that need to win to get in, but they need a lot of other help. Well, so when kickoff happens, though, potentially they are still in it, so they really won't know. They're going to be playing as hard as possible because, first, they need to win. They need, like, a tie somewhere and some crazy things to happen, but they're one of the teams winning in as long as some other stuff happens. So early game, they're all going to be trying really hard. I like that. And with that Doug Martin news, they, they could rely on Winston. Maybe they're going to, when they get in the red zone, they rely on a pass play as opposed to uh, a Doug Martin run. Who knows? Uh, I think that's an interesting call given what's happened lately and the fact that they still have vested interest. I got a couple guys here. I got Matt Ryan, who I think is a shoe-in and shame. 8,700 Fanduel. Uh, now, of course, I wrote it down a little bit wrong. 8,700. Six over under highest of the week highest in my recent memory although folks i had a lot of fun in college so uh, i don't have as many uh, the brain cells firing as they they once were easily though the highest implied team total of the week just over 31 matty ice he could be in for a day saints on defense can be had now football outsiders ranks them 
29th against the pass. There are only five teams with fewer interceptions. The Saints allow just over 270 passing yards per game. The league high is 273. So they are in the same breath. They're right there in that conversation for allowing the worst or the most passing yards per game. I think Matt Ryan should have plenty of time in the pocket, given that only six teams get to the quarterback less than the Saints. In the last five weeks, only four teams have allowed more passing TDs than Nolans. And because the Saints only have three healthy cornerbacks, that's right, three, they're going to have to lean on some safeties to get some extra playing time in there in positions they're not normally used to. Now you know you've got Gabriel out there, Sanu, Julio, and when Julio's out there, he's going to get that double coverage, opening up some other space for guys, the real quick guys like Gabriel and Sanu. I think Matt Ryan's going to have one, a lot of time in the pocket, and he's going to be looking at some pretty soft coverage with New Orleans. Anyone else to talk about at the QB spot that you're eyeballing, or uh, is Winston your your money guy, the guy that you're going to go to? Yeah, Winston's my money guy. We've we've been kind of in love with the whole Bucks offense this whole season, so I got to roll with Winston. It's hard to blame you with guys like uh, Evans, what he's doing down there. Interesting to see what the effect of the loss of Bright is going to be. Uh, I'm gonna actually talk about that a little bit later. But before we get to those other positions, one other guy. Mr. Kirk Cousins. I've been in love with him all season. In fact, I had him in my, uh, my league of record. Interestingly, little narrative street here. Kirk Cousins. He's only 370-some-odd yards away. It sounds like a lot, but he has 300 passing games left and right. He's 370 yards away from being, I want to say, the fifth player to get 5,000 yards in a season. I believe it's been done nine times, but only with, uh, I think, four guys, so he should make about the fifth player. So that's an added incentive. He's 7,900 on FanDuel, 6,500 on DraftKings. Now, his floor this season on DraftKings, the worst he's done, 13 points. The last time they squared off against the Giants earlier this year, All three wide receivers for the Redskins, all three starting wide receivers, put up double-digit fantasy days. Now, I was racking my brain looking at Garcon and Jackson and Crowder, which ones to go with. Well, you know what? I'm going to cover my bases, and I'm just going to go with the guy getting them the ball. I'm going to go with Cousins. No one, I like all those guys, but no one really leapt off the paper. I think they all could have good games, as they did the last time they played the Giants. You know, Washington expected to score 25.5 total points. They are highly motivated. Basically, they win and they're in. And as I said before, the Giants, I could easily see them taking a little bit of week off, giving the guys that are banged up, especially the defensive guys, getting them some rest. So Cousins is in a great spot to not only get that record, to deliver some fantasy points for you in DFS. All right, the running back position. Now, I forgot to say this. uh, In fantasy, in DraftKings anyway, you want about 3x value, right? So if you've got a guy that's $3,000, you want him to score about 9 points. If you get 3x value on your 50,000, I believe is is what they give you, you're going to score 150 points, and you should be in the money at 150. 
I've been charting all year, and I ended it up with my quarterback. Uh, if you added it up, I got 3.06x value. My running backs, if you charted that all year, I got 3.33x value. I got a couple guys to talk about here, but Joe, who are you liking at the running back spot? I loved him preseason, hated him after the draft, but I'm loving him right this week. Uh, Thomas Rawls, uh, 5,800 in uh, DraftKings, 7,400 in FanDuel. Um, Even in FanDuel, he might be worth that price because the San Francisco defense has just been a haven for any running back this season. And Seattle has, in the past, gashed San Francisco consistently over the years, putting up 100-plus since 2014. Even with the sketchy O-line, and when I say sketchy, I mean very sketchy O-line, I trust Rawls. He's a bruising back, and I think he can exploit this Niners team, which has nothing to play for. I mean, maybe Chip Kelly's job. I don't know. I haven't. I mean, I don't think Chip Kelly belongs in the NFL. That's a whole other discussion. Um, they've given up 23 rushing touchdowns this season and 150 averaging They've, on average, given up 150 yards per game as well. Seattle's fighting for the two seed. Um, they're looking to bounce back after a heartbreaking loss to the Cardinals at home. Um, they really need that home field advantage in the playoffs as well as much as possible. And Brawls, I mean, we haven't really seen him break out since Week 13, and that was against Carolina. But, I mean, even since then, his carries have been okay. Last week against Arizona, they completely abandoned the wrong game. But, I mean, he had volume the week before that against the Rams. Um, but then even even then, Green Bay, L.A., and Arizona, all very respectable front fours. San Francisco is not a respectable front four or a respectable team. So I like Rawls this week as a running back. Um, I think he's a, he's a pretty good option uh, in your daily fantasy lineups going into week 17. And like you said, there's the incentive is there. Um, Rawls is definitely the most talented back in on that team as well. Yeah, I like Rawls a lot. You know, 11 different running backs have put up triple-digit days against San Francisco. I think Rawls can certainly add uh, the 12th one to that. I've got him marked down as well. My only concern, I, as I said, I'm not going to play that much DFS this week. I'll roll out maybe three lineups, um, which is far less than I usually roll out there. However, Collins, are they going to give him the ball a little bit more just to get Rawls some rest because he's been banged up? But honestly. <laughs> When isn't Rawls banged up? That's just how he runs. He's a violent runner. And, you know, I, I love that guy because he never runs out of bounds. He talked talked about it as like a sign of weakness to run out of bounds. He is just my a man after my own heart. So I've got him written down as well. I do like Rawls. I've got three others that I want to talk about. I got Dion Lewis, 5,200 FanDuel, only 4,000 on DraftKings. For the past two games, my man has 34 attempts. Now, when you're talking game script, when the games are close, they are really going to Dion Lewis. Uh, this one comes from Jim Sands at Number Fire. He brought up this statistical point. In the past two weeks, the Patriots have run the ball 56 times in the first three quarters combined. So before things really got out of hand. Lewis had 28 of those carries. Blunt had three less. And if you look at just first half numbers, the past two first halves, so the first half last week, the first half the week before, Deion Lewis has outcarried Blunt 20 to 12, which I thought was really surprising. They're facing the Dalton, right? Because you think, you know, if they're going to be running it early, they want to ground and pound with Blunt. And you would think, as things get out of hand, 
I guess you could see uh, the need for Lewis, but it's almost flip-flopped. So they're really going to Lewis more. And before this year, as I said, 34 attempts in the past two games, he's had over 15 attempts in each game. Before this year, 15 attempts was the most he's ever gotten. He just got that two games in a row. So they are really relying on him, ramping it up. I liked him last week. He just didn't seem to hit last week. I really like him this week. When we're talking about the Dolphins, if you look at the past five weeks, Miami has surrendered the fourth most rushing yards, the second most PPR points, and no one has given up as many running back receptions or yards to running backs catching passes out of the backfield, which we all know Deion Lewis does and does very well. So I think 4,000 on DraftKings, Deion Lewis is a heck of a deal. I got two more to talk about. Um, what do you think about Latavius Murray? It's concerning because I think Oakland has been relying on a lot of different running backs there, but Murray seems to have a nose for getting in red zone work and getting in the goal line. He is 5,200 on DraftKings, 69 on FanDuel, so quite a bit more expensive there. On the road and only expected to score just south of 23 points, but. Here's the big but. They have something to play for. They're trying to get home field advantage, maybe even a first round bye. So the motivation is there against the Denver D, who just put DeMarcus Ware on IR. Now, obviously, it's going to be concerning because they're without Carr. So what is this game going to look like offensively for Oakland? To me, without Carr, they're going to be more apt to rely on their ground game. They've got a heck. I mean, arguably one of the best lines in the league. They are doing phenomenal. Carr has been, ironically, the least touched quarterback or least hit quarterback. They've done well opening holes for Murray. In the first meeting earlier this season, Murray ran for 114 yards and three touchdowns. That was more rushing yards and more rushing ton TDs than any one player did against this team, Denver, all year round. In fact, he put up the most fantasy points against Denver, more so than any running back, more so than any wide receiver yet this season. Denver Broncos, they've got three starters listed as questionable, two of which got in limited practice, but one, their starting safety, TJ Ward, on concussion protocol, hasn't practiced this week. In fact, since their week 11 bye, the Denver Broncos, they have allowed an opposing running back to rack up double-digit points in every single game. So I really think Oakland got a lot to play for. And without Carr, I think we're going to see more Murray than usual. My last guy, whom I love, great cash play, Devonta Freeman, 7,000 FanDuel, 8,000, I'm sorry, 8,000 FanDuel, 7,000 DraftKings. Atlanta, home to New Orleans. Atlanta, as we talked about at the beginning, highest implied team total, just over 31. Not only that, they've got a very favorable game script. Atlanta's expected the opening game script, or the opening line was 6.5 points. Looking at Pyro's own positional points against chart, this charts how teams do against running back one, running back two, wide receiver one, wide receiver two. So using that positional points against chart, there are only three teams giving up more fantasy points to opposing RB1s. Only three defenses have allowed more rushing TDs this season, and Freeman, he has been getting it done. Uh, the last time they met, he put up 29.2 DraftKings points. That was his second highest fantasy day of the year. He's facing a defense that Football Outsiders ranks with a DVOA of 29. So I think Freeman 
I am all over trying to game stack that New Orleans Atlanta, and I think Freeman is a great, great play. You got any other running back calls you want to make for DFS, or you want to move on over to the wide receiver spot? Uh, yeah. So I got one more, th- just a couple more things to add. Um, to the Latavius Murray thing. <clears throat> yeah, that Denver game really one exposed the front four of the of the Denver Broncos, and also, I mean, brought out into the national spotlight how good the Oakland offensive line is. I mean, I'd say if it weren't for the Dallas uh, outstanding offensive line, we might be talking about Oakland being the best offensive line in the league. They've invested so much money in that offensive line, um, including Kalecchio Semele took, took him from my, from my Baltimore Ravens over the off season, um, really hurt us, really helped them. Um, so just a good call on that. And so yeah, Latavius Murray, great play this week. He obviously knows how to find the holes against the Denver Broncos with that offensive line. And then, um, one more running back to add is uh, D'Angelo Williams. Um, we've seen him come in for um, Le'Veon Bell, who isn't playing on Sunday. We've seen him come yep. in and do outstanding work. Um, and you got to remember, this is a, this is an AFC North game. Um, despite the Steelers being solidified as a playoff team, unfortunately, and then the Browns being solidified as the worst team in the league, um, this is an AFC North game. Uh, the Steelers are going to come out, give 110%. They're not gonna. They do not want to lose to the Browns. Um, so I can see D'Angelo Williams coming out here and putting on a show. To be honest, because we we we've seen uh, Landry come in for Big Ben, and the results haven't been pretty. But we've seen D'Angelo Williams come in for Le'Veon Bell, and the results have been very good. Any other team? I think you got starting running back. I mean, he has been fantastic. It's just he happens to back up arguably the best running back in the league. So I want folks to keep in mind, we're recording this Thursday night, you know, and we already know that the Steelers are going to get some rest. I think as it gets closer to game time, we're going to hear more and more about the guys that are going to be getting rest. Coaches, they want to play a little bit of a mind game, and that's fine. They're not going to openly say, many of them, aren't going to openly say who's going to get rest and who's not, but that's something you got to watch for. And so that's a good GPP play, way to differentiate yourself. Maybe a lot of people are going to be sleeping on that. So I like that. That's a sneaky call. Good good job, Joe. I like that click, man. Good take. Yeah. I'm going to pause here for uh, trivia number two, and then we'll talk wide receivers. So trivia number two. Now, we all know Gurley's woes. And to be fair... It's certainly not an issue of talent, right? It's more of an issue of team, or perhaps team line. Uh, friend of Pyro Light, Mr. Christopher Harris, when he was on, he talked about not caring for the yards per carry stat, that it was more reflective of perhaps offensive line, or that it just wasn't really reflective of an actual running back skills. There's just too many cooks in the kitchen. There's too many things that go into that one stat. Now, some say it is indeed a measuring stick of offensive lines, but but still, let's just use this stat, even with all of its flaws, because a lot of people use it. I'm going to look at FF today. How many games did Todd Gurley average at least 4.0? So how many games did Todd Gurley average at least 4 yards per carry or more? So far this season, you guys think about that, and we will be right back with the answer on the Pyro Light Fantasy Football Podcast. All right, Pyromaniacs, thank you for sticking with us. Now, we know we've given up 
on the streaming talk and the waiver wire talk because the championships have been decided. But that doesn't mean we're stopping to play fantasy. We've got DFS. Now, we know you love playing DFS, and we're hoping you like to play on Draft. Draft is a simple daily fantasy app where you can do snake drafts, just like the ones you do at the beginning of the season-long leagues. You can do drafts whenever you want. The last, They last for just one day, and they only take a few minutes to complete. On Draft, you can play for free, or better yet, you can play for some coins. Get this, your chances of winning on Draft are over 200% better than the major DFS sites. I've been using Draft uh, since roughly about halfway through the season. I've done really well, to be honest. Uh, this week, I've already talked about Matt Ryan and Freeman. I was able to stack those guys easily on a draft I did just this morning as I was prepping for the show. So why don't you join me when you download Draft? Be sure to enter the promo code PYRO. In fact, if you're playing online, if you use your computer, you just go to uh, playdraft.com. When you set up your account, you have to enter the promo code PYRO. There's a little button on the bottom. When you set up your account, you can add the pyro, or add the promo code. <laughs> when you add that promo code, you're going to get a 100% deposit bonus match. So make sure you use the promo code PYRO when you play draft, and I will see you there. All right, guys, we paused. For trivia question number two, and we asked, how many games has Todd Gurley averaged four yards per carry or more so far this season? What do you think, Joe? Well, I know we took an in-depth look at Gurley's season um, um, earlier this season. Uh, he's obviously been one of the biggest busts. But I know we looked, we took an in-depth look at him, and actually he his yards per carry weren't horribly. So I'm going to go with eight games. This is going to be surprising to you, sir. Now, in all fairness, once again, I was using FF Today, so www.fftoday.com. He had two, two wow. games with four yards wow. or better, and it was week six, 4.1 versus my Lions, and week nine against Carolina, 4.0. Now, as you said, there were a lot of games that were in the high threes, so... It it really, I mean, he didn't have any terrible games, but there was just nothing that stood out. I mean, two games above four yards per carry, that's pretty brutal. No, not what you would expect Again, out of I a think guy it speaks more overall <laughs> first. No. Yeah, and what, you know, what I should have probably looked at, which I might be able to hear quickly, was last year because there was not a whiff of this. And I remember D-Rex he was talking uh, about avoiding Gurley, and I was I was kind of sold. I thought that his talent was going to win out. And although I hate Jeff Fisher, and I knew this team was not a power numbers team, they don't have very many fantasy players, but goodness gracious. He's got a lot of 3.8s, <laughs> got a, a 3, boy, 4 3.8s, there's a 3.5. But, yeah, only two games with over four yards per carry. Now, last year, last year, five, six, seven games last year. Seven games of four yards per carry or more. That is a severe change from last year to this year. Maybe teams get uh, game tape on them. I, I don't know how, how much game tape is going to do, and, and they really know what's, what's coming at you, but what a difference. Seven games to two. Rough, rough in L.A. 
All right, man. Let's yeah. let's look at wide receivers. Wide receivers. Talking rear view mirror didn't do as well. I'm aiming for that three x value. Wide receivers, I was at two point three uh, two point three six x value. I got quite a few listed here, Joe. Uh, why don't you give me some of your wide receiver calls this week? Uh, so the first one I got is uh, Jordy Nelson. Um, he's uh, eight thousand one hundred on DraftKings, eight thousand two hundred on Fanduel. Obviously not cheap, but I think it's well worth the cost. Uh, Jordy and Rogers—they always dazzle us in these NFC North battles, especially late in the season. I mean, you recall two seasons ago that that like sixty-yard bomb Rogers threw to kill the Bears off that one time for the division. So I mean. I'm expecting another type of one of the, one of those games. Um, veterans are always important in these do-or-die games. In the last meeting against Detroit, this helps. Uh, he had two touchdowns and 100-plus yards. He's finally healthy, too. He's been highly consistent since he got healthy back in Week 8, and that's also when the Packers kind of decided to start you know, winning. I don't know exactly what week it was that Rodgers said we're going to run the table, but ever since he said that, Jordy Nelson has been a huge yeah. beneficiary of the tear that Rodgers has been on the last couple weeks. It's it's looking like Detroit, they're going to be without their best corner, Darius Slay. So he, he's listed as That's questionable. It's not looking good. It's, it's a huge loss. So it's looking like uh, what's his, Nevin Lawson, I think, is going to be matched up on Jordy, but he is nowhere near the, the corner that Darius is. So that's that's a good call. I like that take. What else you got for the wide receiver spot? Um, I'm liking Tyreek Hill. I wasn't liking him back uh, a couple weeks ago when he was like a hot waiver wire commodity. I thought, no, 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 the Kansas City yeah. receiver pulled. It's always a crapshoot. You never know. But all of a sudden, he came. He comes out, and ever since week ten, the dude has just put up numbers. Um, he just find. I mean, he. I mean, he's one of the fastest receivers I've ever seen. Um, he makes defenders look silly with his speed, and just because of those like plays, I've seen him. Um, he's worth. Whatever the cost is, um, playing at San Diego. I know the Chiefs, they don't have – well, no, they have a division title to play for. Um, I don't know what time they play. I don't know if they'll know if they have anything to play for by kickoff. Um, but, I mean, I really like Tyreek Hill. Yeah, the, what? The Chiefs, indeed, they, they are playing with, with something to play for. Uh, I believe they could even get a bye. And that's a that's a later game. Uh, 425, but they're not really relying on too many other people. They are um, playing really for themselves. And if indeed they win, I believe, let me check my notes here. Yes, Kansas City trying to get a first round bye. So they've got a vested interest. And, you know, I mentioned this earlier, quick guys, real fast guys, guys that haven't broken down. He might be able to take advantage of some of those defensive players on San Diego that have already I've been talking about it that's eyeballing their Cancun vacation spot and perhaps a little banged up. So I like that call with Tyreek Hill. I like it. You looking at any other wide receivers? Uh no, those are the two I really, really like. Um I like I said, I touched right. on Taylor Gabriel earlier. Um he's obviously prone for big plays, so um I like the big play guys in DFS because you know you gotta have you, you wanna go after high risk, high reward type of guys, and Taylor Gabriel's one of those guys as well. So is Tyreek Hill. Yes. Especially GPP. Um in the in the tournament plays, that's really what you need to go after. Again, this week cash, I'm really staying safe. I'm playing guys that are on teams 
that are the, the, the Vegas teams we talked about at the top. I'm going to talk about them, remind you again. Those are the cash plays you want because in cash, again, you're sometimes playing only one other person. So you have to beat 50% of the field. I want a safe play. I want a floor play. GPP, when I'm playing potentially hundreds of thousands of people, yes, I need to differentiate my lineup, and I'm swinging for the fences. So a, a Taylor, Gabriel, Tyreek Hill, I like them in GPP as well. Starting with uh, DraftKings, most expensive, working my way down. I like Baldwin a lot. 7,200 FanDuel, 7,300 DraftKings. I was on him last week, and he certainly paid off. San Francisco is his opponent this week. Again, San Francisco not playing for anything. Seattle is. San Francisco has allowed nine different wide receivers to amass at least uh, 90 yards against them. Now, correct me if I'm wrong. I, I'm looking at my stats here. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So San Francisco, it seems as though every week they seem to put up, uh, give up big games. And Baldwin... You know, he's done really well as of late, and I just think that he's got another one in him. Every year at the end of the season, he seems to really ramp it up. He did it again last week, but I am i guess I'm chasing the box score because I think he's going to do it again. Seattle is expected to score just over 26 points, and Baldwin, he last time he put up 164 on eight catches in one TD against this team. I think he can do it again. Moving just down from there, 6,800 FanDuel, 6,400 DraftKings. Julian Edelman, now I'm not sure about this one because if that game script does get out of hand, I really like the Deion Lewis call, and I think they could rely on Blunt if it does get out of hand. They they seem to pull Julian Edelman on the, the run plays. They, they don't get him in for run blocking. So if it does get out of hand, I could see Julian Edelman not being on the field as much. But I, I really think the Patriots are motivated to play. And against Miami, I mean, my goodness, they've been giving it up. Miami's given up the ninth most fantasy points to wide receivers in the last five weeks. If you look one week further, in the last six weeks, they've allowed eight wide receivers to go for double-digit fantasy days. Edelman has been far and away the best Patriots wide receiver. Last five weeks, 58 targets, 34 receptions, 421 yards. That is more than double the next Patriot down. Now, I also like a Malcolm Mitchell. Although he's not getting as many looks, in the red zone, they do tend to target him. In the month of December alone, Mitchell has nine red zone looks to Edelman's three. So I like him for a bit of a cheaper play. Again, I want to stack guys on those teams that have vested interests. And Patriots, they're playing for home field in a first round bye. I also like Golden Tate. He's the poster boy of this image of the, the podcast, episode 59. He is our image cover. Golden Tate, 5,700 FanDuel. He's up on DraftKings because they give you the full PPR. He's 6,600 on DraftKings. I think this is a solid cash play because it's almost guaranteed he's going to get you a solid floor. Big game. Both sides here, they are invested. This is for the Norse Division title. Green Bay has allowed the fifth most fantasy points to wide receivers in the last five weeks. So as of late, they're giving it up, but they've been giving it up all season. they got some suspect cornerbacks. The Packers, they've allowed three different players in the last two weeks to rack up at least 100 receiving yards. 
Golden Tate's going to match up with Demarius Randall. He is graded 116. Pro Football Focus only grades 119 players. So he is <laughs> almost dead last, according to Pro Football Focus. Now, I've watched it. <laughs> yeah, he has. He's one of the guys I, I look at Pro Football and whoever he is slated to go against, whichever side he lines up on the most, that's a guy I often target. Uh, in the last five weeks with Tate, he's led the Lions easily with targets, yards. Uh, in that time, he's got 47 targets, 460 yards. Now, Stafford, he typically does pretty well, averages almost 290 yards and two touchdowns per game, just about two touchdowns per game. And Tate, in the last five games, he hasn't dipped below six targets. That's the kind of th consistency you're looking for in cash. I also like Fitzgerald. 6,600 FanDuel, 6,000 on DraftKings. Last five weeks, only three teams are allowing more fantasy goo to opposing wide receivers than the Rams. And he's going to get EJ Gaines. EJ Gaines ranks four from the bottom. So he is ranked 115 out of 119 cornerbacks. Uh, this is one player that I'm also looking on Pro Football Focus. Whoever EJ Gaines is on, that's a guy I like to target. And lo and behold, it's Larry Fitz. Uh, I could see him doing really well this time. You know, they're not in it, but I think Arizona, they like to reward guys like a Larry Fitzgerald, a guy that's been there a long time. I could see him getting a lot of attention in this last game. Uh, they don't have too many able-bodied wide receivers there anymore. I could really see Larry getting a good one. Sterling Shepard, he's, he's been really sneaky as of late. 5,200 FanDuel, 4,900 DraftKings. Now, the focus is going to be on OBJ and uh, Josh Norman. Shepard's done well, though, in their first matchup earlier this season, 5 for 73 and a touchdown. And since their week 8 bye, the man, Sterling Shepard, he scored six touchdowns in those eight games, and he draws Brashad Breland, who can be taken advantage of as well. couple others, Cole Beasley. I was hesitant to pick him because he hasn't done much lately, and because Dallas looks like we're going to be seeing Mr. Butt Fumble, and <laughs> you never know what you're going to get with him. I went back and tried to look this season. He's only had about six or seven attempts this season, so it, that didn't give me much clarity. But I could easily see Cole Beasley, who does not have a long average depth of target. I could see him get some nice, easy passes um, to kind of get the quarterback feeling well, to get everything rolling. I think it's definitely a GPP play and definitely on DraftKings. I've targeted wide receivers going up against Philly all season long. Jalen Mills and uh, McKelvin, Leodis McKelvin, they're downright terrible. Beasley is going to mainly run up against Mills. I said this earlier, 119 cornerbacks are graded. Mills, he's one from the bottom. He ranks 118, and that's who Beasley's going to be going against. Two others. Now, Mohamed Sanu. I am a little hesitant with him. I really love the Ryan play. I love Gabriel because he's quick. I still like uh, Julio Jones. But I do want action. I, I, I think Sanu, only 4,600 on DraftKings, 5,100 on FanDuel, he's a cheap way to get exposure to a lot of the Matt Ryan points. We already said this team opened up with an expected 
or an implied team total above 31 points. You want a cheap way to get exposure to that. Doesn't come much cheaper than 4,600 in Muhammad Sanu. Now, while the Falcons have a favorable matchup against the Saints, Sanu, every single Falcons wide receiver has a favorable matchup. Sanu takes the cake. Von Bell, the Saints slot corner. Bell is allowing nearly 1.5 fantasy points for every two routes run. Out of a, out of the 96 starting corners this week, that is the highest amount of fantasy points per route run, more than anybody, and it's by a lot. That's who Sanu is going to go against. Last one, a game you and I both talked about that we like, Marvin Jones, only 4,200 on DraftKings, 56 on FanDuel. Again, home, going up against the Packers. Everybody's invested in this game. The winner takes the North Division crown and uh, potentially first-round bye if the Lions win. Now, in the last meeting this season, this was Jones' pinnacle. Remember way back when, when he racked up 202 yards and two scores. That's who Jones is going up against. He could do it again. Again, cheap exposure, cheap way to get exposure to potentially a lot of points to be scored. Now, in Jones' last four games, he's got 28 targets. So he did it before against the Packers. This is not a cash play. GPP all the way. Again, cash, I like Tate. But all of those players that we mentioned are guys that have vested interest in the games this week. All right, man, you want to talk some tight ends? Or uh, what do you think about any of those wide receiver plays there? Um, I like them all. Marvin Jones, is a, he's a little risky, but like I said, he's done it before. Maybe he does it again. And like I said, it's a cheap way to get access into a game where there's so much incentive on the line and where there could be offensive fireworks. Same with the Sanu thing. Um, and then one more wide receiver. If you're looking for like just one of the one of a, a very solid floor and not trying to go risky, um, Pierre Garcon might be your guy. He's been super consistent uh, the last yeah. four weeks. Um, Kirk likes going to him a lot. Um, the only I guess issues is he struggled to find the end zone the entire season. So that's the only thing. But solid floor. Um, but he might not. He's not gonna. I don't know if he's gonna blow the top off, especially with explosive guys like Deshaun Jackson and uh, Jamison Crowder, uh, where he has to share uh, targets with as well. But I mean, definitely a solid floor with Pierre Garcon. No, and in cash, that's what you want. And you know, I always look at the last five weeks. He's the most targeted, not by much, but he has the most targets of any Washington receiver in the last five weeks. He was one of those guys. I was really, I was going. I have all my notes here. I've got Garcon scratched out, Crowder scratched out, Deshaun Jackson. I just couldn't decide. They all had pros and cons, and that's why essentially I went with Cousins. But I think Garcon's a great cash play. I I, I concur with that take. Let's talk some tight ends here before uh, we wrap it up with defense. Now, tight end, I've only got two. And I think one, everybody's going to know because I talk about it nearly every week. But, uh, Joe, who are you looking at at the tight end spot? Um, well, I got, like, one that I really like and another one that I might just throw – that I'm just going to throw in there just because. Um, first one I really like is uh, Jason Witten. He has been a great security blanket for Dak this whole season. Um, he had that two weeks ago, he had that like 10 reception game that would have been perfect if it weren't for that fumble. Um, he's going up against, as you talked about, the Eagles secondary, which um, has just been atrocious this year, all year, um, especially against the tight ends. Um, 
and my on my notes here, I just have going with the vet, and uh, yeah, I just kind of like that matchup. Obviously, Mark Sanchez kind of makes that that this take a little murky, but I mean, if you're if if you're gonna have a shaky quarterback um, in the lineup, he's gonna go to the most trusted target, and that is Jason Witten. Um, Thirty uh, three thousand one hundred on DraftKings. 4,800 on FanDuel. I like Jason Witten this year in a year where tight ends have just been up and down all over the place. You got to go with a guy that you think can be consistent. Yeah, I, I like that call as well. I mean, with butt fumble Mark Sanchez, he, he's not going to have – going. he's not going to tear the doors off and go down the field a ton. Um, but he's going to be going in the neighborhood that Witten and a guy like I mentioned, Beasley – revolve and so i think that's a good call i'm gonna gates i talk about him nearly every week last week he hit uh, he was the third highest scoring tight end last week only 3800 still on DraftKings, 58 on fanduel so i like him more in DraftKings. he ended up scoring the third most last week as i said but i thought i thought maybe last week he's gonna set that record the man is one measly touchdown away from getting it you know, you know Rivers. You he has to. He's tied to that legacy, so you know he's going to get it. And if he gets it early enough, if he ties it early enough, why not give him one more so he has it outright all by himself? So I think Gates, you know, at the tight end spot, you want to get touchdowns, and Gates gives you, I think, the highest chance of at least one touchdown this week. I got one other guy, and I think you said you had one other one as well. Who are you looking at? Uh, I was just looking at Travis Kelsey. Um, he's a bit expensive because he is like the top tight end right now. But I mean, yeah. like I said, tight ends, especially now with Brait out, the tight end pool is just so small. Um, I feel like it almost might be worth the risk going after the top scoring tight end. And like I said, Kansas City, lots to play for. Um, I mean, I just like Travis Kelsey. He's fun to watch. So uh, he's been on my, t- he was on my season team. All year long, so I like Travis Kelsey in his matchup as well. Yeah, hard to not chase that box score from last week. Kelsey, he was the, yeah. the uh, tight end, the fantasy's best tight end last week, and he's just been on a tear. He's got what five out of the last six games he's had a hundred yards or more. Uh, so he's just been doing amazing uh, since week eight. The man has six hundred yard games, so doing incredible. You can't go wrong with him. You just gotta spend up to get him. My other guy, and by the way, I am at three point three x on my tight end calls all season. So doing well. The tight ends by my other guy is kind of one that you sort of alluded to. I'm gonna go with Brandon Myers because Bray is gone. We know the tight end is a big part of that offense. Now, when Bray went out last week. It was Myers that I we, they got another guy there, Luke Stocker, I believe. It was Brait who I'm sorry, it was Myers who was the one that filled in. He's the one that got six targets when Brait went out. He's only 2,700 on DraftKings, 4,600 on Fanduel, so nearly b- rock bottom on both. Now I said the tight end is a big part of that Bucks offense. In fact, 23% of Bucks passes go to the tight end, and when they get in close, the tight end spots a huge part of Winton's attack in the red zone. Only two teams have a higher percentage of red zone touchdowns come from the tight end spot. So Winton really leans on the tight end when he gets in close. Tampa, again, they need some help. 
but they're an early game. They're going to be playing to get in, so they're going to be giving it their all and expected to score at opening. They're expected to score north of 25 points, so really cheap tight end play that I think could give you a shot at a touchdown and going to allow you to spend up at other positions. You like the the Brandon Myers call there with uh, Brait getting the surgery? Yeah, I kind of like that. I mean, Brait, I mean, he kind of came out of nowhere, so I mean, it's not like I'm not going to knock Cameron Brait, but I mean, it's not like he, I don't think he's like an all-star tight end, so it could just be kind of a positional scheme thing. So, you know, Myers coming in could do, could maybe just, you know, what we see in New England, we see these guys come in and slot right in and do okay. So maybe this happens in Tampa too. Maybe he comes in, slots right into that position, gets the same treatment Bright does, and has a big game. Yeah, it could be, could be. And uh, you know, I've been talking about Bright all season. I remember early in uh, it might have even been spring practices, but but certainly towards the later end of the summer when they were talking that he had wrestled the starting job away from ASJ and never really looked back. So we've been talking about Brait for quite a while now on the Pyro podcast. Even our NFL scout Dave T. Thomas uh, was at the Bucks and was talking about Brait this summer. So like you say, could be a part of uh, Winston's or the offense's passing game. Going back to college, Winston often did go to the tight end spot. So maybe it is just sort of in his DNA. Before we get to the defensive picks this week, let's take trivia question number three, and I think that's all we're going to have time for this week. But uh, trivia question uh, number three. Now, we just talked about it. Gates, he's attempting to set the record, uh, held by Tony Gonzalez. Uh, needs just one more for the record, one more, one more to tie, one more to get it out right. So my question, Gates, right now, has 110 touchdowns, I believe. Philip Rivers, he's, of course, the quarterback there. But what I want to know is how many – I'm going to give you a multiple choice on this one. How many touchdowns was Philip Rivers a part of out of Gates' 110? A, all of them, 100%. Every single touchdown Philip Rivers threw. Or B, over 100. C over 80 d over 60 think about that and we will be right back on the pyro light episode 59 thanks for sticking with us pyromaniacs we are talking dfs in fact now throughout the rest of the season as long as you can play dfs the pyro light is going to be focused on dfs and as long as we're talking dfs let's talk a little DraftKings. Now, fantasy sports fans, you know it. You are winning huge cash prizes every day at DraftKings.com, America's favorite place to play fantasy sports. Daily fantasy means no season-long commitments. You play whenever you want. Pick your sport, draft your team. It's like a new season every time you play, so you're never stuck with the same players. Over $1 billion will be won at DraftKings.com this year, and you could be next. Just go to DraftKings.com now. Enter the promo code PYRO, P-Y-R-O. All new users to DraftKings receive a deposit matching bonus for up to $600, and you get a free $3 game voucher. That's on DraftKings.com, promo code PYRO. All right, Joe, what do you think? Antonio Gates, 110 touchdowns from the tight end spot. My question is, how many has Philip Rivers been a part of? A, all of them. B, 
just over 100. C, just over 80. D, just over 60. Okay, so I got to think back to when I was a young kid, think about when Drew Brees was there and when he left. I'm going to go with... I'm going to go with... Only sixty. No, I'm gonna go with over. I'm gonna go with eighty, eighty and over. You, you, sir, indeed are a winner. He had eighty-three hey. with Philip Rivers. Now, there was actually four players that are responsible for throwing Gates a touchdown. Philip Rivers has the most eighty-three. So you said over eighty. That was indeed the answer. Eighty-three from Philip Rivers. You also brought up, you get points for bringing up Drew Brees, because Drew Brees threw him 23. Then you've got Doug Flutie, two, and LaDainian Tomlinson actually threw him two. So four four players, a couple flea flickers there from LaDainian Tomlinson. Doug Flutie, when someone was banged up, Drew Brees early in his career, drafted by the Chargers, and then Rivers, 83. And you know, you know Rivers. He talked about it at the beginning of the season. You know he wants to get him that title. He's he's a huge part of it. So, my man, we've got just the defense less and, and then a few fun calls here. But defensively, I got to say, uh, I've only got two defenses that I'm really eyeballing. Who do you think that you like on the defense for DFS Week 17? Uh, the defense that I really like, and I'm just going to go the homer on this one, I like the Ravens' defense. They just... They're coming off a tough performance at Pittsburgh. Huge emotional loss. But I'm going to bring up two reasons why I think they bounce back against Cincinnati. One is no A.J. Green. A.J. Green has absolutely owned the Ravens' defense over the last three years. I have nightmares about it all the time as a Ravens fan. But they didn't. he was not there the last time we played him. And the Ravens' defense played okay. They sacked, they sacked Andy Dalton a couple of times. They had a strip sack. Um, they looked perfectly fine out there. They shut down the running game without Gio Bernard. Um, and the, since uh, Gio Bernard's been out, the Bengals running game with Jeremy Hill has been pretty lackluster. Um, and like you said, uh, like I said, all that they have, they, if they can lock down the tight end, if they can lock down um, tight end position, then there's no reason the Ravens shouldn't be able to perform well. The other reason is John Harbaugh. John Harbaugh's a great coach. He's going to be able to rally this team um, in a game where there is no incentive. I think he'll be able to rally the Ravens defense. Uh, they got some good leaders on their team, Terrell Suggs. I think they rally um, this week, and they go back to their uh, ways where they were before, and they shut down the Bengals' offense uh, this Sunday. And I hope they do, just as a fan. <laughs> well, goodness, who else is Cincy going to go to? We already know Tyler Eifert's out, A.J. Green is out, and now there's talk that Hill, who's officially questionable, but he's looking super iffy. Uh, who was it? There, Jeff Hobson of Bengals.com says he is looking very iffy uh, again this week. He missed practice Thursday, so they look to be without their three leading offensive players at the three positions: running back, wide receiver, and tight end. So, could be slim pickings for Cincy. So I like the the Bengals call. I got two. And if you're going on DraftKings, I'm going to take the Steelers. 3,600 DraftKings, 5,100 FanDuel. So if I'm playing DraftKings, I'm playing Steelers. Now, even though the Steelers are in, there's a rivalry against Cleveland. Yeah, they're going to rest some guys, but we're still talking Cleveland. They want to beat up on Cleveland. It's looking like RG3 is going to play and possibly force some things. 
this is a bit of narrative street, but to me, RG3, he still thinks of himself as a starting quarterback, despite the world telling him he's probably a clipboard holder at best. He's going to be on display. He knows it. Uh, Cleveland wants to put him on display in case they can get some money out of him. I, I think Hugh Jackson knows he's not their future. But RG3, he wants to make some money. He wants to do his best as a competitor does. But in his head, he's just like one of those aging vets that can't face retirement when everybody else knows it is time. He's still young. He's going to get a job, but I think he's just going to get a backup job. I think he's going to force it. I think he's going to make a lot of mistakes. Remember, the Cleveland line, they have allowed the most quarterback hits in the league. This is something I always key on because that leads to numerous things. Sacks, fumbles, interceptions. At the very least, it leads to happy feet or poor decisions in the pocket. RG3 has been known to make some poor decisions. So I like the Steelers on DraftKings against them. If you're playing FanDuel, I like the Broncos. 4,800 there, 3,900 DraftKings. So Broncos, FanDuel, Steelers, DraftKings. The Broncos, they're playing for home field and possibly first round bye. Now, Oakland, uh, they've got an implied team total just south of 23 points. They will be trotting out McGloin, who is, okay, he's serviceable. But he's going to be facing the best two cornerbacks on paper, according to Pro Football Focus. McGloin has a career completion percentage of 58. He's got a 1-to-1 TD ratio, 11-to-11. So if you look at his attempts and then divide uh, interceptions, he's got a 4.1 interception rate. 4.1. Think of how bad Fitzpatrick was this season. Fitzpatrick, 4.6. So he's very close. I think you're going to get some points from McGloin uh, from, for the Broncos. I think they're a good play, and again, they're a fan duel play. All right, man, you ready to, to, to do some fun picks here? Uh, are you sticking yeah, with ready. one defense there? Uh, yeah, well, right. the, other let's, was, uh, let's... the other one was was Pittsburgh. The other one was Pittsburgh. I like them as well. Yeah, I think Pittsburgh, even though they're going to be resting some guys, it's just they're going to have a field day with Cleveland. Um, all right, let's talk stacks. Either, that, either that's a game stack, a player stack. Who are you looking to stack up week 17? This is perhaps the week of all weeks to do it. Who, who do you like this week? Um, It's an expensive one, but, I mean, it's expensive. But, I mean, if you had Aaron Rodgers and Jordy Nelson, I mean, I feel like those two could combine for a very nice uh, return, despite how expensive they are. Um. I think that combo could be deadly. I think I really think Jordan Nelson could have a, like a, a very long, like forty-plus yard touchdown this week, especially given without with Darius Slay out. I really like that matchup with Jordan Nelson. I really think Rodgers is going to come through this week too. Um, I'll be rooting for the for the Lions, but I think I really think Rodgers comes out has a huge day. I mean, he claimed they were going to run the table. He's been on a tear since then. Uh, does it? It seems like his calf is starting to heal up. So I really like Rodgers and Jordy. Uh, as a stack option this week. I, I like it as well. I, I try to stay objective in these things. Every time my heart gets into it, I just end up messing up somehow. Uh, but I am, of course, a lifelong Lions fan. But staying objective here, like you say, without Slay, Rodgers has just been on fire. I don't think there's a better quarterback in the last, I don't know, two months than Rodgers. Without Slay, everybody always undersells Jordy. They don't know how good he is. I certainly think... Uh, he can get them. I think that's a great cash stack. 
I would talk about two. A game stack, I'm going to try to get as many New Orleans-Atlanta guys as possible because that game, again, highest scoring over under of the week. If indeed that happens, and if indeed they're scoring 56 or up, you know you're going to have a lot of fantasy successful guys. So if it's going back and forth, I want guys on both teams. If I'm going to stack just from one, give me Matt Ryan, give me Devonta Freeman, and either Julio or Sanu. If I'm playing cash and if I can get those guys, which you can, I would go Matt Ryan, Devontae Freeman, and Julio in GPP. I'd take Sanu and spend up at uh, some other positions. A lot of guys are afraid to go running back wide receiver stacks. It's really just a sort of a misnomer. If you think about it, every time your running back gets you a first down, well, that's more opportunities for your wide receiver. Every time your wide receiver you know, breaks you into the red zone, that's more opportunities for your running back. I believe it was TJ Hernandez, who's been on the Pyro Show a couple times. He did a study that revealed that only 0.07% of running back wide receiver plays had a negative correlation. So utterly nothing, 0.07. And that's across all 32 teams. I'm not stacking a wide receiver and a running back out of 32 teams. I'm only stacking very select wide receivers and running backs in this case, a wide receiver, running back, and a quarterback from the team that's expected to score nearly 32 points. So in that case, I honestly think it's a good thing. Every, again, every, it's not cannibalized. Don't think of it as cannibalized. Think of it as a partnership. Every time one guy gets a first down, the other guy has more opportunities. And if you've got Matt Ryan, you've just got exposure to all the possible potential touchdowns. What about the opposite end of the spectrum? Give me a guy or two that you're fading this week in DFS. Uh, the guy I am fading this week is Sammy Watkins. Um, he's in a worthless matchup. Rex just got fired. Um, I think this could be a, one of those like ugly turnover games, just with two teams that are don't no one has a horse in the race anymore. The new QB, you have no idea what to expect from EJ Manuel. Just doesn't speak well for Sammy Watkins. Um, he's apprised asset on the bills as well they're probably not going to want to play him too hard either with that foot um that was that's been bugging him all year um so i don't know if he's 100 percent. he was shut down in week two by the jets um there's other players out there like Diggs and d'angelo williams around the same price that i'd go in on um and then just uh, i lost my train of thought but um yeah, Sammy Watkins, no go to oh, – the other one, he, he's played for the last three weeks. He's had two solid weeks, and out of those two, he had one just awful game against the Browns where he just didn't show up. Um, so I'm staying away from Sammy Watkins this week. I like it. I, you don't know what to expect with E.J. Manuel, and from what I've seen, it's not going to be all that good. So I'm not going to necessarily fade a specific player. I'm going to talk about fading teams. Well, honestly, I'm going to talk about the opposite of that. Teams that you are going to gravitate towards. Otherwise, I'd be here all night. As we said, you know, Pittsburgh, they're sitting, guys. Uh, Buffalo, uh, they're starting their second string. you got all these guys that aren't in the playoffs. So, now that doesn't mean, I'm going to name all these teams that we talked about at the top, teams that have a vested interest in this game. That doesn't mean it's going to do you harm to play Drew Brees, but you just got to pick and select carefully. With so many things up in the air this week, I'm noting the guys, the teams rather, that have actual incentive to win. Remember, even teams that are in the playoffs. Again, the Steelers, uh, the Dolphins, there's, they're, win, they're in it no matter what, and they can't really better their situation. 
Yeah, the Dolphins can go from sixth to fifth, but so what? They're still on the road every game. Big Ben, again, he, he's already resting. So I'm going to name teams that have vested interest. So we've got New England trying to clinch home field. We've got Oakland playing for home field advantage. Uh, however, Vegas, they don't expect them to score much in this game against a tough Denver D. We've got Kansas City trying to get a first round by. Atlanta also trying to get a first round by. Seattle, they're trying to clinch that by. Green Bay and Detroit, both playing for the Norse division. And heck, Detroit could even be getting a bye. Then you got Washington and Tampa. So New England, Oakland, Casey, Atlanta, Seattle, Green Bay, Washington, Tampa. Those are teams I'm going to play in DFS, certainly in cash, because you want to get a basic floor, and there's just too many other factors. If the guy's going to Cancun, guy's checked out, guy know he's getting traded from the team, whatever. These guys are all playing and playing to win. That's who I want, especially in my cash lineups. Last one, Joe. What you talking about, Willis? These are basically cheap plays. Guys that are within 500 of the league minimum, depending on which site you play, DFS, DraftKings. So who's a cheap player that you'd be willing to roll the dice on in DFS? Uh, yeah, so um, my cheap player is, um, he's at 3,200 in FanDuel, is uh, Sean Drone. Um, I know that we're not expecting much from the Niners in this game, but Carlos Hyde's out. Um, him and Harris are assumably going to split carries, but Drone has been a proven uh, receiving threat on a team with little help for Colin Kaepernick at QB. So I'm expecting a lot of checkdowns in this game. I mean, I feel like the Seahawks are going to kind of choke out the Niners just in general because they're just going to be overmatched. But, I mean, when a team gets choked out, we tend to see a lot of checkdowns to the running back, and I think Drawn's going to be that guy. Um, and, I mean, the Niners, they're going to put up some type of points in this game, whether garbage or not. But I expect Drawn to get maybe one of those scores, and if not, at the very worst, um, a bunch of checkdowns, which will help um, if you're playing PPR. You know, that's interesting. I heard someone else on a, a podcast talking about Dewan Harris, but honestly, you make a better case. I think they're, they're going to be playing with a negative game script. Sean Drone, he, he's more of the pass catcher than Harris is, and like you know, they're going to be down, certainly, playing catch-up. So I think you made a good case for uh, Sean Drone. I, I like it. And my guy, Peyton Barber, league minimum on both FanDuel and DraftKings, so 4500 on FanDuel, 3000 on DraftKings, this is really with the the Doug Martin news. I think Peyton Barber should be getting his fair share. Yeah, you've got to contend with Jaquiz Rogers, but Barber proved earlier in the season that he can handle the load, and honestly, we don't know who's going to get the work, but when they get in close, I think it's going to be Peyton Barber. So if I'm going to roll with one of the two guys, I'm going to take the red zone guy. I'm going to take a guy that's likely going to get the touchdown once they get in close. So I think Peyton Barber's in for a really pretty game. Got a great situation and league minimum or site minimum, 3,000 DraftKings, 4,500 on FanDuel. Oh, yeah, right. I agree. That is it. We yeah. have. Yeah. What do you like the Peyton Barber move with? Uh, yeah, I really Doug like Martin? that. Um, I was just going to, I was just going to add, I mean, yeah, you got Barber Rogers, both of them is have proved they can be, uh, they can handle the, the workload. But I mean, like you said, um, Jacquez Watcher might be better in the open field. Um, but when it comes down to it, um, Barber's going to get the carries inside the 20 and that's when it really counts. So yeah, I was just going to add that. Yeah. And in, in draft in fantasy, I was going to say in draft games, but in fantasy, you're, you're really chasing opportunity to score touchdowns. And on that team, in that situation, he's going to have a lot more opportunity in between the two Peyton 
Barber and Jaquiz Rogers, I think he has Peyton Barber has more opportunity to score TDs. So three thousand bucks on DraftKings, I'll take that. You can spend up at other positions, maybe get yourself a game stack or a, a, a Falcons stack with Freeman, Julio, and Matt Ryan. All right, Pyromaniacs, you have reached an end of the episode 59. So, again, we're changing things up here a little bit, talking more DFS since we are at that time of the season, as uh, we hopefully have helped you win your championships, and we are continuing to talk fantasy as we do on Pyromaniac.com. And my guest tonight from Fourth and Long, Joe, I appreciate you sitting in with me. We had some technical difficulties that the audience was unaware of, and you soldiered through it, man. Uh, thanks for, for putting up with it, and honestly, it's some really good takes, so thanks for uh, prepping. Yeah, no problem. Thank, thank you. Absolutely. And Joe, just tell us again, you're doing the fourth and long. When can folks hear you? Are you guys going to be podcasting throughout the playoffs or are you taking some well-deserved time off? I'm sure. Uh, yeah. So right now we're taking some time off. Um, all four of us are on break right now from college. Um, so it's just kind of logistically difficult to put together that many individual people for a podcast, but, um, we'll be back and ready probably, um, right after the first week in January, we plan on doing biweekly pods throughout the off season so uh yeah we'll be well we'll be very active uh during the off season especially during the summer we'll be getting our i mean i can't wait to get our draft kits draft kits started to be honest all right yeah for sure and uh you know i'll look to have you back and uh do a, a fantasy football talk in the off season so it was really a pleasure talking to you and you, you came with some great takes so thank you uh yeah no problem and uh, thank you for the opportunity to come on here uh, i'd love to come back anytime Absolutely. Absolutely. It was my pleasure. Joe from Fourth and Long, you can follow him on Twitter at the number four and then T-H underscore L-O-N-G. All right, Pyromaniacs, as I said, we're, we're done with the streaming and waiver wire talks. We've got nothing but DFS for you since that's what 99% of you are playing from now until, you know, the Super Bowl. And we're going to be talking about it every week on the Pyro podcast remember to check out pyromaniac you've got the daily do's and don'ts we are constantly writing up all the games all the way up to the super bowl you're going to be able to get our takes plus the charts you know and love and of course the pyro heavy podcast that usually gets released on tuesdays i'm coming at you with the pyro light on fridays sometimes a little earlier and don't forget to stay tuned to ride cooter you can hear the song in its entirety, so stay tuned for Boomer's Story. And until the next time, I will catch you on the flip side. Come and gather all around me Listen to my tale of woe Got some good advice to give you Lots of things you ought to know Take a tip from one who's traveled And never stopped a rambling round Cause once you get the Roman fever You never want to settle down Boy, never want to settle down Get a little gal in Frisco my wife told her I was tired of roaming 